Hi everyone and thank you for joining me today to chat to Johnny about time critical medicine. So Johnny, do you want to introduce yourself and tell the listeners why time critical medicines are so important to you and some of the recent work that you've been involved in? So thanks very much Emma, thanks for inviting me on uh, today. So yeah, I'm Johnny Atchison, I'm, I'm actually an NE consultant uh, in Leicester. I'm also the, I also work for the Parkinson's Excellence Network one day a week as their director of engagement. Um, I've, I actually have been living with Parkinson's myself for the past seven years. So it's, it's, really, a, it's really a sort of personal journey that's brought me to sort of time critical medication. I think as a, as a doctor, I don't ever remember time critical medication being mentioned in our, in our training. And we're very much um, used to emergency drugs or, or stat drugs, but this concept of of time critical medication really was was a new one um that came to the fore after after I was diagnosed with, with Parkinson's. And I think I think I think it's important it's important because you know um, until you're taking the medication yourself and you know you don't realise the impact it has um you know if, if somebody uh, has a delayed dose or or misses a dose um and, and we really wanted to advocate for the people in hospital with Parkinson's who don't get their time critical medication when they need it, um, and and that that's what that's what uh, that's what we've we've been trying to do. And I think time critical medicines and getting them to the patients on time is often seen primarily as a nursing issue, but we know that without prescribing the medicine to start off with, there's little chance of them actually reaching the patient. Um, Claire shared with us in our recent MSATS webinar the 10 recommendations that the Parkinson's Excellence Network have launched, and I know you were instrumental in developing these. Can you tell us a bit about how medics can engage with these? Yeah, sure. So, so um, it's really important that anybody that's, that can prescribe engages with, with this. So it's all, it's all a grades of staff across the NHS, including the ACPs who, who can prescribe now as well and i think probably the, the, there's a couple of things so the first thing is 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 education and recognition of, around the concept of a time critical medication because i don't think as i said in my first answer i don't think there's a, there's a great recognition about time critical medication as a whole um our trust has introduced a, a mandatory training a module which is just a, a short video that, that we created um, the NHS professionals who are living with Parkinson's group, and uh, as a result of that being made mandatory training, you know, all fourteen and a half thousand staff within UHL have to, you know, watch this only a three-minute video, and that's a good way of, of educating people about the importance of time critical medication. And then it's really, it's really, um, you know, working together. With um, with the ward team, you know, with with the with the pharmacists, with the nurses, with the with the doctors as a whole, and I mean, drug history is really important, and I don't think necessarily in the emergency department we do it as well as on the wards. But it's not just a matter of knowing what people are on; it's a matter of knowing when they take it and and the the exact time. So, you know, we've had um, examples in the ward where Parkinson's medications are written up. You know, um, TDS, QDS, and that—that's just not not—it's it's not good enough because it has to be 
prescribed at, at a specific time. So it's really raising, raising awareness, education, and getting people to prescribe properly. And I know that video that you mentioned, you know, it's a three minute video. It doesn't take much people's time. It's, it's accessible. Um, and you're happy if other organisations um, use that, aren't you? And embed that into their education programmes as well. Well, absolutely. So obviously last year um, we, we um, launched the video, which was basically about time critical medication. Um, you know, and um, it was called um, Time Matters, It's Critical. And that really was, was, was put out to, you know, raise, raise the subject. And on the back of that, we, we uh, wrote to every um, chief executive uh, of every acute trust in England. We wrote to health board chief executives in Scotland, Wales and Northern Ireland. And all we asked was for um, them to pledge support to people in hospital with Parkinson's getting their time critical medication when they needed it. And the 10 recommendations document that, that you just mentioned, um, you know, it'd be great if every organization this year was able to implement those. And you know, Parkinson's UK post, or Parkinson's Access Network post this summer will be writing to every hospital to ask them, you know, do you have a nominated person for this? And um, can you benchmark your hospital against these to see, see where we're at? So it will give a bit of an idea about the lie the lie of the land but what we're going to say is you know obviously it's going to take time to implement all 10 but if there's one thing you can do this year it is to take the mandatory training video the video that we've made and make it mandatory for all staff because if that could happen across the nhs across england scotland wales and northern ireland and it, it, although it's sort of parkinson specific but it does mention diabetes it does mention epilepsy and you know it introduces the concept of time critical medication and I think whatever is implemented for one uh, one group of patients could easily be transferred across to the other groups of patients. And, you know, everybody will have different views on what is a time critical medication. We, we personally have in the ED are looking at it as scheduled medication. So it's medication that people are already on when they come into hospital. We're not talking about emergency drugs or, or staff drugs. So that, that's where that's where we've um, we're, that's the angle we're taking. And I think we've spoken a lot um, during the webinar and when we've been talking about time critical medicines, this has often been put in people's sort of too difficult box and we're saying we need to take this back out. And actually it's about nibbling a little piece of this at a time. And those 10 recommendations do really lend themselves to, you can benchmark and then look at your organization and all organizations are diff different but which bit are you going to start first which little chunk are you going to take um there's no expectation that you know they'll all be done by the end of the year but it is about have a look and which ones do you think that you can um start working on um straight um, absolutely absolutely because whenever we sort of come up with the idea about trying to push the time critical medication agenda we were never going to solve it the problem for every trust all we wanted to do was basically you know raise it as an issue give trust you know recommendations that you know if they did implement all those 10 things then you know it's going to be better it's going the patients are going to get a better quality of care and i think i think you know we wanted really them to them to you know come up with the solutions because 
it is so complicated and every trust is different and every trust will be set up differently and it's really within the it's really within their own realm that they have to you know implement the change you know do your quality improvement projects and see you know see what the numbers look like that it's 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 it is a challenge and in the ed it's going to be an even bigger challenge but uh but we're uh, we're we're working on that uh, as well. We're starting to uh, we're starting to equip with the Royal College of Emergency Medicine in November. Uh, that will look at time critical medications for three years. It won't just look at um, you know a year of, of data. It's going to look at you know three years of data, and it's going to be across all four nations. So the last uh, the last one that was done last year was was pain in children over three years and I think 157 emergency departments across the UK got involved so if we can get that uh, those numbers um, I think they had a hundred thousand bits of data so we're going to get some really good data over the next three years around what's actually happening on on on, on the coal face on, on the shop floor on the wards for people who are on time critical medication so I think that you know this is a really exciting time and we um within our MSATS webinars, we like to um, think of our audiences as um, medication safety activists. And, you know, I really think, Johnny, that you can um, join us in, you know, being a medication safety activist, because with all of this, um, this work, we are going to make um, time critical medicines um, safer for patients. And we are, we are going to make sure that, you know, they have the best chance at getting every dose that they need on time, every time. Absolutely. I'm sorry. I was just going to say, and, um, I think the key to that is has to be, it has to be self-administration. So, you know, I'll, that, that will take away, you know, maybe 70% of the work potentially, because if, if trusts have a decent self-administration policy that isn't just a bit of paper that says we've got one, but is actually implemented, then, you know, if I come into hospital, the last thing I would want is somebody to take my Parkinson's meds off me because, you know, I know what I'm on. I know when I take them, you know, and I think it, it really is. I just don't think it's right if people can take their own meds and that, 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 we, that we take it off them. So that's a massive sort of cultural change that, that, that needs to happen uh, as well. I know one thing that um, is often a concern with um, self-medication and again I think this is something which is often put in the too difficult to do box with EPMA and the fact that more and more prescribing is done remotely from a medic's point of view do the medics have a good understanding of self-medication and actually any decisions they're making on patients medicines need to be communicated in real time because if we've got patients in our organizations doing their own medicines but then behind a computer somewhere we're playing with them there is a risk that the the patient isn't um isn't aware like do you have any comments on that i, I just that is a key thing um that's come up with as a barrier to self-medication um yeah, and I mean, are I, medics really involved in it it's again it's the nurses who are assessing the patient whether they can self-med what's the medic's role in that in self-administration yeah well I, th I think i think their role potentially is you know you know when they're when the juniors are clogging the patients in and they take the drug history i think there should be a standard question that says would you feel happy to self-administer your own medication 
you know, it should it should be a standard question in in a, in a clock. And you know, do you do you, do you, do you want us do you want to self administer your own medication? If they say yes, then you know, and the potential could be a performer to be filled in, or they then contact the uh, medicines management team, who then get to the patient quicker. Um, because because it is time critical, it really needs to be identified pretty much the minute the patient hits the hospital because, you know, by the time they hit the wards, three ED, they've been in hospital maybe 12 hours and you've missed the boat. So there needs to be an awful lot of work around the ambulance service, identifying people who are on time critical medications. There's a, a lot of work in the ED around identifying patients and starting the, the ball rolling to get their medications on time. That then goes on to EPMA and then hand over to the wards. So I think that even goes back to the medical school, doesn't it? The basic drug history, you know, or would you like to self-administer your medications when you, you know, now that you're in hospital, if 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 they're able to, obviously, you know, there'll be certain patients that that can't if they're confused or or or, or need need an escalation in their in in their time critical medication. But I think I think the doctors certainly have a role to play. Um, they can liaise with the, the medicine management team. As far as changing um, time critical medications, I think you know it should be done. I think at the patient's bedside. So I think you know there should be any changes on a computer. You know, there's a lot of computers that are that are sort of mobile now, aren't they? So I think I think if you're changing time critical medications, well, for all medications really, I think it should be. I think it nearly should be done in front of the patient so they can actually see what's happening. And um, you know, I think pharmacists, as pharmacists, um, potentially are going to be able to prescribe in 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 the future. I, I think I think that's a really key issue because I think um, the, the one ward in, in in UHL that gives time critical medications every time on time is the infectious diseases ward, and the reason for that is that the pharmacist. It does it does the drug does the drug run, and it's it's there's a whole there's a whole um there's a whole mindset change and culture change here you know it doesn't and where we're at at the minute somebody starting a drug round in bay one and going to bay thirty doesn't work it doesn't work um and it doesn't work for people in time critical medication so wards need to put their heads together to come up with novel ideas. That somehow will allow patients to do that. In Harrogate, they have a, they have a, um, on one of the wards, they have a, like a time box that pings open whenever their med medicines are due. You know, it's, it's, there there are solutions out there, but um, I think you know, so much innovation now in the NHS. It, although it's always been put in the too difficult box, I think with people putting their heads together, getting a bit of innovation in there. Um, I think we'll get it, get it out, get it out of the box, and potentially, you know, get it, get it, get get it cracked. But it's not going to happen immediately. I I say that you know the, the Royal College of Emergency Medicine data on the quip in the first year, I think, is going to be it's going to be really interesting to see what that shows because um, I don't think it'll be great to be honest. And I think there's an awful lot of work, basic, simple things that need to be done to get improvement. And I think what's been clear from our discussion is this is a multidisciplinary issue, isn't it? This is, you know, the paramedics need to be involved. We need um, medics, we need nurses, we need pharmacy staff. We need all of the 
innovative solutions that people are thinking of to, with um, expanding roles of um, other allied healthcare professionals. It is for all of us to work together to um, to crack this time critical medicines. And you know, we acknowledge we're not going to do it overnight, but I think we are all you know we're ready for the challenge. Um, and it is definitely where you know put our heads together, as you said, and we will get there. So just, Johnny, one final thing. What is your key message for um, all of our medication safety activists listening? What do you want them to take back to their organisation? Well, I think I think all I would ask for this year is they ask for that mandatory, that video that, that, that's been produced, which I think is the, the second um, key recommendation of the 10 recommendations from the Parkinson's Excellence Network. I think we need to get education in to every trust as, as mandatory training and you know it's not it's not a it's not a 60 minute um you know screen powerpoint it's not there's no questions to answer at the end you know you're not going to fail i have to do it again you know, it's three minutes the key messages are in there and if you can convince your medical director and your chief nursing officer to put that into your trust i think that that will help to um you know, give give the whole thing momentum that it's never had before. Brilliant. Thank you so much, Johnny, for joining me today. And um, we look forward to hearing about um, all of the work that you've done and, and what benefit that's had for our patients. So thank you so much. Thanks, th thanks very much.